Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Really, really grateful to be gathered uh, with you today. Uh, today we get to kick off a, a sermon series. And the sermon series that we're going to be kicking off, we're um, entitling Holy Spirit, the, the Giver of Life. And over about the next six to seven weeks, we're going to be um, studying. I don't want to just use the word studying about the Holy Spirit, but hopefully there's a place in which we're posturing ourselves before the Lord so that we might know the Holy Spirit um, better. Um, I want to start off by, by reading a passage of Scripture uh, with you. If you would stand with me, it'll come up on the screen. Um, and it's Genesis chapter 1. It says this. It says, In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth... The earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. While a wind from God swept over the face of the waters, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, the desire really is to, to know you more, to know you better. He's even as we enter into what may even feel more academic or a study of, Lord, the desire is, is that there would be a deep, intimate knowledge that would take place within our hearts. We don't want to just know about you, Lord. We want to know you. We want to know what it is to, to be in you, to reside in you. To, it, it's in you that we live and move and have our being. And so, Father, I pray that you might breathe life into this space, ignite our hearts, awaken us to the reality of you are closer than we realize. You are with us in deeper and more dynamic ways than, than we understand. And so would we have a taste of your goodness today? And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Feel free to have a seat. Church, I want to start by just saying, let's, this morning, let's talk about God. Let's talk about God. I, don't you there, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in, in the church, um, but there was always this deep curiosity about who God was, who God is. I remember that growing up, I, I've used the phrase before, I grew up Catholic in theory, because though my family was a part of the Catholic Church, I never really attended. Um, in theory, that's, if you would ask me, you know, do you have faith? I would say, yeah, I'm Catholic. Uh, but there was also, again, this deep hunger, this deep desire uh, to, to know God. To, and I've always just had this belief that God existed. And I remember as a kid, when I was scared at night, Rather than holding on to a stuffy or calling my family into the room or having a nightlight, I had from the local Catholic church a rosary. And I would wrap that around my hand and I would hold tight onto that and that was my place of security. Without any understanding of who God was, I just innately just was like, this feels safe. I know for, I mean, very likely for all of us in this room, right, that, that there was this place in, in your life where you thought 
about God. I hope for me the, the place that that, that that conversation or that, that, that stirring can even begin to even happen is if I go on a hike or if I stand before the ocean and just see a huge vista, there's something within me that says, there's no way this is an accident. You just, just you see the, the grandness of, of the earth and you realize there's something bigger than, than us. And so as we kick off this series on, on the Holy Spirit, I wanted to first have a broader conversation, like a contextual conversation that says, essentially asking the question today, who's God? Who, who is God? Because we, as followers of Christ, have this audacious belief. God can be known. And not only are we, can we say that not only God exists, but we're saying that God can be known. And, and we also hold this, this wild belief that we have a daily relationship with God. We interact with him regularly. We engage with him. He is friend. He's close to us. And it's a wild statement. Like if you were just to be on the metro today and you were to just randomly tell people, I hear from God. The, the public might view you a little strange. And then we gather here every Sunday and we sing and, and we conversate and we engage in the presence of God. You're weird from the perspective of the world. You believe, not only do you believe in God, not only do you believe that he exists, but you, you believe that he's knowable. Not only do you believe that he's knowable, but you believe that, that you can have conversation with him. You can dwell with him. Michael Reeves, in his book, Delighting in the Trinity, which, by the way, has helped shape a lot of uh, this morning, um, says this. He says, what is your Christian life like? What is the shape of your gospel, of your faith? In the end, it will all depend on what you think God is like. Who God is drives everything. So today as we start this series on the Holy Spirit, I want to first start by just, again, asking this, this broader question, who is God? And when you look over the pages of Scripture, one of the things that you will discover is for so many of the authors of, of Scripture, the starting point that, that they have is God is Father. God is Father. If you go to the next slide, you'll see this, this list of, of Scripture, if you keep on going. You look at the writers of the New Testament, when they, when they write letters to the church, it, you might just kind of read over, might glance over the opening lines uh, of, of what they're writing to the local church. But when they write to the local church, more often than not, they'll start in this place by saying, they'll introduce themselves, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Or, I, I'm Peter, and I'm writing to uh, the persecuted people that are scattered abroad. I'm John, or 
and or I'm, I'm Jude, and then they'll, they'll have another line that, that, will, that immediately, will immediately reflect on who God is. May God, our Father, is from the perspective of Paul. Peter, when he writes to the, to the dispersed people all throughout Rome, he says, God, the Father, knew you and chose you long ago. John, when he writes in his, his letter to the local church, he says, and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is, Jesus is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. Jude writes to the church and says, I'm writing to all have, who have been called by God the Father. So when we think about God, the, the starting point that more often than not that the scripture has to start with is God is Father. God is Father. And there's this beautiful insight that Jesus gives to us when he's praying for the church in John chapter 17. We get, the, the curtain gets pulled back, and, and here we get like, like a fly on the wall. We get to see what it is when Jesus is interacting with God. And this is the way that Jesus prays in John chapter 17. It'll come up on the screen. He prays this, Father, Father, I want these whom you've given me to be with me where I am, then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. And as Jesus pulls the curtain back here for us, and as we ask that question, who is God? Jesus prays what he reveals to us is not only God Father, but he has always been Father. Before the creation of the world, he was father. Before there was anything, God the Father loved God the Son. And what we realize in that statement is this. God has always been in relationship. This is a God who has always been with. He's father. And he didn't become father when he created us. When we think about who God is, the revelation to us is he's father. But what kind of father is he? And when Jesus prays, he, re he reveals to us, not only is he father, but this is a father who has always loved. Before the foundations of the world, God is a God who loves. He's a God who nurtures. He is a God who blesses. He is a God who is relational. And so, so what we get revealed here about the nature of God is that when he creates, he does so as father. When he rules, he does so as father. When he disciplines, he does so as father. And when he saves, he does so as father. This is who he is. The other revelation that gets revealed to us in this place is that God is son. God is the son. 
John chapter, in First John, we read it earlier. It says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. And here's what we, what we realize in, in, in our faith, in our understanding of who God is. God the Father has always been with God the Son. They have always been together. And there could not have been a moment where the Son did not exist because if that was the case, then God would not have always been Father. They have always existed together. God the Father has always been the Father, and God the Son has always been the Son. This is how God gets revealed to us. From before the foundations of the world, the Father has loved the Son. And so the mystery of God revealed to us is God the Father is eternally Father, and God the Son is eternally the Son. And that's why we can hold on to this claim. God is love. Michael Reeves, in, in, in his book, The Lighting in the Trinity, simply reflects on it this way. God is love because God is Trinity. Because if God was singular, then he could not love. But if God has always been with, then God has always loved. And the love of God did not originate or begin when he created the world, but he has always loved. It, it, it is who he is, and it is what he has always done. And friends, let's go deeper into this. When you look over the pages of scripture, what you'll, what you'll find is this is that the Father, God the Father is, is demonstrated and revealed to us as the one that has, is primarily the one that is doing the loving, and the Son is the one that is revealed to us as, as the beloved, as the one that is being loved. It doesn't mean that the Son doesn't love, but it's what was revealed to us, right? When Jesus prays, Father, you, you have always loved me. What's, what's revealed to us is that the Father the Father initiates love. That love flows from him. And why is this so important? Why is it so important that we think about the fact that love flows from the Father? What it means is, is that God's love for you can never be based on what you do. It can never be a reaction. It can never be ex an exchange for your good behavior. The Father doesn't love you because of what you can offer. He has always loved. Right? John reflects on it even further, right? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, he, he begins to describe how love flows from God. He's the headwaters of love. 
He's the starting point. And his love isn't a response to anything else. It is not a reaction. The Father loves. He has loved you before you have loved him. The Father loves you. Love flows from him. It goes out from him. It's not a reaction. But there's something revealed to us here as well, is that the Son is the beloved. And it, and it teaches us something about how God has made us. You were made to be delighted in. You, you, were, you were designed to be a recipient of love. Jim Wilder, who's a psychologist and theologian, reflects on it this way. Our brains desire joy more than any other thing. And it's as, it's as if we go through our day, he begins to explain how the brain functions. And he says the right side of our brain is constantly scanning our surroundings, looking for people who are happy to be with us. You were designed for relationship. You, you, were, you were formed in a way so that you would know you, you were made as, as, as a recipient of love, to be one that is constantly receiving love and delight and enjoyment. Like you were designed in a way so that your, 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 your face would light up as the, the thought of someone thinking the world of you. God the Father's face has eternally shining upon God the Son. You have loved me before the foundation of the world. And what Jesus prays for, for humanity is, would they know that kind of love? Would they know how much they are delighted in? Would they know how much they are enjoyed they know how much I love them the way that you loved me I love them so what about the Holy Spirit God the Father has eternally loved God the Son and God the Son has eternally loved God the Father and we might naturally ask well but you said Trinity what's the Holy Spirit doing in all of this <laughs> The, the two words that I want you to, 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 make, to write down, to remember, to hold on to are, are these, these two words. Given and stokes. Given and stokes. I want to make sure to establish, right, that, that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is revealed to us at God and as God. And the reason that I wanted to start in Genesis chapter 1 as the opening passage that we were going to read is from the very first words of the pages of Scripture, we are revealed to the activity of God and the personhood of God. And what you find is in the beginning there was God and a wind hovered over the waters and a word was spoken. In John chapter 1, verse, I mean, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, you immediately see on display God initiating. 
the spirit hovering and the word being spoken. From the opening pages of scripture, you see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit active, working together to create the universe, to create the world. And what's incredible about the Revelation is you continue to read through, through Genesis chapter 1, you, you hear the statement that God makes, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, where God says, let us make man in our image. So the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And, and then when you get to find that you hear that they are one. And what's just, it's just, it's this mind-blowing place that you cannot even begin to comprehend. But the God who is one who is three, makes humanity, who is one, who is two. It's right there on the opening pages. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit working together. Sent. It's going to get scripture heavy here for a moment. Well, it won't come up on the screen, but, but the way I want you to, to think about it this way is this. When God loves something, he sends the Spirit. Because what greater gift can God give than himself? And so all throughout scripture, what you'll see is God, God creates the world. And the very first move is that the Spirit is hovering above the earth. The Spirit is sent to creation. God loves Israel, a tabernacle is made, and the very first move after that tabernacle is made is, is that the glory of God descends upon the tabernacle and there's a pillar of fire that's there. He sends his spirit because he loves Israel. At Jesus' baptism, at the very start of his ministry, when you read through, through the gospel accounts, what you'll see is that, that the son is baptized. And as the son is baptized, he comes out of the water, the heavens part, the father speaks, and he says, this is my son who, who I'm well pleased. And then what do you see take place? The spirit descends upon the son as a dove. At Pentecost, Jesus Jesus tells the church, go to a place, you're going to pray, and then when you do, I'm going to send the promised Holy Spirit, right? So the, whole, the, the church is birthed, the church is formed, and how does Jesus communicate to the church his love for the church? He gives the Spirit. Because there is no greater gift that God can give to express his love than himself. There's no greater gift that can be given. And, and so that's why, as you look over the pages of Scripture, what you will find is that the Holy Spirit is so often described as a breath, a wind. Because what God is doing in this place is, is he, 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 Holy Spirit is God, and he comes from God and is sent by God so that God can dwell with humanity. Like a, like a breath being breathed into us. And the Holy Spirit is described as a breath. He's described as a wind. He's, he's described as being poured out. He's, he's described as, as anointing, like oil being poured out upon humanity. 
Jesus's very name, like the way that we identify who Jesus is, excuse me, is, is he's Jesus Christ. Christ means the anointed one. In his very name, it is the statement that says, Jesus, the one who the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon. And we, our identifying marker as Christians is the statement as we are also these little ones who the Holy Spirit has been sent out upon. What God loves, he pours his spirit onto. He gives himself to. So what's the Holy Spirit up to? There's this other word that I want you to, to get. It's stokes. The Holy Spirit stokes. Again, here's the scriptures that have, that have been on the screen, but I'll read them to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In that passage, right, we, we see the Father, we see the Son, and we see the Holy Spirit. And there is a statement about what the Holy Spirit is all about. He's about the fellowship. Galatians chapter 4, verse, verse 6, it says, And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Luke chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he said, Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, Elizabeth's pregnant with, with John the Baptist, and, and she encounters Mary, who at this time is, is pregnant with Jesus. So when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt within her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the understanding that we get as we look over the pages of Scripture is that what the Holy Spirit is regularly up to is about getting inside and exciting the love that's there. And, and so Michael Reeves, when, when he's talking in the Delighting the Trinity, he has, he has this observation it's not unique to him. There's this other um, book about, called Flame of Love from um, a theologian named, last name Pinnock. They arrive in the same place where it says what we observe when we look over the activity of the Holy Spirit, the description of the Holy Spirit over the pages of Scripture is this. The Spirit stirs up the delight of the Father in the Son and the delight of the Son in the Father inflaming their love and so binding them together in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And what we can observe over the pages of Scripture is that what's happening before the foundation of the world, God the Father loves God the Son, and what, what, what God the Spirit is doing, he's putting a spotlight there on the love that the Father has for the Son, and he's like, yes, that's amazing, love the Son. And so what happens is God the Father sends the Spirit to the Son, and, and, and God the, the Son is, is there with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is saying, yes, love the Father. And it's this beautiful dance that's taking place where God the Father is giving God the Spirit to God the Son, and God the Son is being inflamed with love for God the Father and gives the Holy Spirit over to And it's just this place where from eternity, God is love. Eternity, 
God is love. And what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, and I think why we so often miss the Holy Spirit or why the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit seems so mysterious to us because the Holy Spirit is never really shown as, as shining a spotlight on himself. What the Holy Spirit seeks to do is to stoke an excitement within your heart to bring you to life so that you might take notice of God the Son and God the Father. There, there are these times where I walk into the living room and Larissa will have one of our boys in her arms. They'll just be hanging out together. She's holding one of our boys. We'll just, to help explain, you know, she'll be holding our, our son, our youngest son, Tiago. Her arms are wrapped around her boy. And then I'll walk into the room, or Justice, Tiago's older brother, will walk into the room, and Larissa will say something like this to Tiago. Isn't your dad amazing? Or she'll be holding Tiago and she'll say, Justice is so silly, isn't he? Justice is so smart, isn't he? Justice is so amazing, isn't he? And I think in there, it helps us get an understanding of what the Holy Spirit is up to in our lives. The understanding is, is that we abide in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us in some kind of mysterious way. And what he is all about is stoking a love within us. Jesus is amazing, isn't he? Jesus is beautiful, isn't he? Jesus is good, isn't he? Oh, your father loves. Don't you see it? Don't you see how faithful your father is? Don't, don't, you, don't you see it? Do you see how big he is? Do you see how great he is? And honestly, I think that as, as, as we begin this series on the Holy Spirit, I, I believe that there's, there's likely a, a part of the Holy Spirit where he might say, why are you doing a series on me? You should be talking about the Son. Why, why, are, why is the conversation about me? You should be focusing on the Father. And, and, and what the Holy Spirit is so often up to is shining a spotlight on others. And do you notice then why the fruit of the Spirit are love, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness? Why? They're all of these really just humble postures where what the Holy Spirit's up to in our lives is shining a light, right? All of those, those words are relational. The Holy Spirit is, is up to in our lives is saying, look at others, Look at the people around you. Look at the church. Look at the people God has given to you. 
What he's up to is, is fellowship. What he's up to is igniting our hearts, stoking our hearts towards fellowship. There's this framework that I want to wrap us up with that I um, received from um, theologian Fred Sanders. I got to sit in a little seminar that he had put on. It says, if you want a, a helpful framework for understanding the, the activity of God in the world is this framework from, through, in. And what you begin to see as you look over the pages of Scripture is that everything, not everything, but what often happens is, is that something will happen from the Father. It'll initiate from the Father. It'll happen through the Son. And it'll be realized or consummated in the Holy Spirit. And, and so, so you see, right, when you start with creation, creation happens in the beginning God. It happens from the Father. He initiates it. And then God, God says what? Let there be light. A word is spoken from the Father. And creation happens through the Son. And then creation is perfected, consummated. It, it happens in the Holy Spirit. And then when you look at salvation, when you look at the story of salvation, it happens, it happens from God the Father. For God so loved the world, he's the initiator of it that he gave his only son. And it happens through he, that Jesus becomes a mediator. He, it's through him that we have access to the Father. Jesus is the one that accomplishes it on our behalf, but it's the Holy Spirit. It's in the Holy Spirit that we realize what the son has done as he was sent from the Father. And so then what happens is if it's from the Father through the Son and it's realized in the Holy Spirit is then, then our posture of prayer and our posture of worship then happens as we are saturated in the Holy Spirit, we go through the Son to the Father. And so what takes place, right, is that the Holy Spirit, as you abide in him, he stokes your heart to a place where you would realize what the Son has given access to has given you access to so that you might end up seated next to the Father. And what gets described over the pages of Scripture is what the Holy Spirit wants you to see is, is you get to be united with the Son. And every blessing, every promise, all the love that the Father has for the Son, you get to have that too. You get to sit in that place. Church, um, we're going to head into to communion as, as we do. Two things. One, we'll, at, at the close of service, we're going to give a simple handout to you. And maybe not every week, but, but for a lot of the weeks through, through this series on, on the Holy Spirit, we want to give you just a simple practice to go home with for the week. And the practice that, that we have for you this week is, is a practice that, that we've labeled the secret place. In Psalm chapter 91, it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And it's a simple practice that would just, it'll walk you through it. It'll just allow you this week just to sit with God. And just to allow you just to be still in his presence so that as you're in the Holy Spirit, you might go through the sun and you would just realize 
and to more greater degrees how much the Father loves you. Just to practice this week that you could maybe just slow down for five minutes in a day. You might just slow down and just be aware of how much God loves you.